Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to the seventh episode of the Better Leader podcast. Today, we're going to be talking about the power of team, the power of team. But if you're watching on YouTube, I want to encourage you to go ahead and subscribe to the channel. If you're checking us out on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, rate and review us there so you can follow along. But today, we're talking about the power of team and the idea that as you build a team, this is one of the most important things you could ever do as a leader. You might have heard it said before that you're only as good of a leader as your team around you. You're only as good of a leader as the team you have around you. And I agree with that. Why do I agree with that? Because teams are multipliers. Teams are multipliers. And a story that paints this picture so clearly, you know, Neil Armstrong was the first man to have stepped foot on the moon. He was the commander of the Apollo 11 mission. And he's the first man to step foot on the moon, unless... Maybe you're a conspiracy theorist. You might not agree with that. But Neil Armstrong accomplished something that no person had ever done before. But he was very humble in interviews in years after the moon landing. He would talk about the team of people that it took to make this happen. That It wasn't something that he could do on his own. You know, Neil Armstrong had Buzz Aldrin, who was the lunar module pilot that allowed him to land on the moon. So he had Buzz Aldrin. Additionally to that, there were 20 to 30 people at Mission Control in Houston, Texas, working shifts at a time. 20 to 30 people working shifts. There were hundreds of engineers that were involved in allowing Apollo 11 to land on the moon. And NASA has actually estimated that it took 400,000 people to run the Apollo program. So Neil Armstrong, this great accomplishment that all of history knows, he wouldn't have been able to do this without a team of people around him. And teams matter because they are multipliers. This was so evident to me recently. I went on a retreat with the team I help lead as we were prepping for a new semester and new work that was going to be going on. And as I sat around on a morning on this retreat, I was just kind of blown away, honestly, at the people that are on our team, how talented they are. There's people that have communicative skills. There's people that have administrative skills, creative skills, uh, musical abilities that I don't have. And I looked, it's like this group of people coming together, all of us with different strengths, when we come together, and as I looked around the room, what I realized is team building is not an addition conversation. It's a multiplication conversation that when we are together, it's not just, hey, your skill plus my skill equals, uh, you know, two. It's your skill plus my skill is multiplied to equal something far more substantial than what we could do on our own. So when you build a team around you and when you have a strong team, what happens is your effectiveness is actually multiplied. Now, here's the truth and the reality of the conversation. I've been a part where I've coached teams, and you've all stepped foot inside of a restaurant where uh, they call somebody team members. But just because you're called a team doesn't mean that you're actually functioning like a team. Just because you're a team on paper doesn't mean you're actually a functioning like an effective team. And so your job as a leader is to harness the power of the team, to be an effective team builder. And I want to talk about five things really quick that 
I would do in any setting, whether it was nonprofit world, business world, sports, wherever it would be, I would do these things in order to build a better team. Why do I believe in them? Because I've seen their effectiveness. You know, team building is something that uh, through my time in coaching or leading uh, in, in the church setting like I do now, teams have been a part of what I've done my entire leadership process. And so uh, I, I just see the value in it, and I see these things and how they've played out. And I've learned from mistakes that I've made to see that these are things that I would do in any setting. So five things that I would do. The first thing is this, is in any setting, you have to have a clear and compelling vision. Now, that's not surprising, y'all. You can pick up any leadership book and you read that. It's like, you have to have a, you know, you got to start with why. You got to have a clear and compelling vision. Whatever you want to call it, your goal, your vision, your dream, it has to be stated and you have to keep repeating it to people so that they know. You're the chief reminding officer. As a team builder, as a leader, you have to be the chief reminding officer, calling people and telling them call, and showing them the, the calling that you have for them, what, what it is that you have in place, this vision. And you got to keep reminding people of what's going on because this is going to help you to recruit people. This is going to help you to remind people when times are hard. You know, in the church setting, there's something we refer to as the Nehemiah principle. Now, Nehemiah was a man in the Old Testament who God used to rebuild the wall of Jerusalem. And Nehemiah faced what every leader faces. What do leaders face? They face problems. They face opposition. And Nehemiah had to go and he had to gather his team around him. And he had to remind them of why they were doing what they were doing and what they were called to. Your job as a leader is to be the chief reminding officer, the chief reminding officer. You got to set a clear and compelling vision that people are attracted to and people want to be a part of. What's the second thing I would do in order to build an effective team? I call this the ABR principle. You got to always be recruiting. You got to always be recruiting. Because of my time coaching, this is something that I feel like is just innate. It's always been a part of what I've done. You know, when I was coaching freshman football, there was an eighth grader who was coming in, uh, and I had heard that he wasn't going to play this upcoming season of football. And I'm like, man, we got a problem because we need this kid. He was one of the best players on his middle school team. And I was like, we have got to have this guy be a part of what we're doing here. And so what did I do? I recruited him. I called him. I made the personal ask and said, hey, I really want you to play. I think it would be a great benefit to the team. And I think you're young enough. You don't even know if this is something that you want to continue to do or not. And so I was like, man, you've got to be a part of what's going on. And I recruited him. He said yes eventually. Now, not everybody's going to say yes all the time. But in this situation, he said yes to the personal ask and the personal invitation. I believe that many people, we talked about having a compelling vision, right? They want to be a part of something that is bigger than themselves. But what they are waiting on oftentimes is to be asked. People want to be called to something, and they want to have that individual ask. When you call out their gifts and their abilities and ask them to be a part of something that's going on. And I look at this. I see businesses post all the time that they're hiring. It's easy to throw up a LinkedIn ad that you're hiring or to post it uh, outside your business. But I always think, 
where is that business? Where's the leaders of that business? Where are they going and recruiting people at? Are they going to, if they need uh, a certain demographic of people, are they going to places where those people gather, where quality people gather, where quality candidates gather? How, what's the recruiting process like to be at a place where it's, man, we're always recruiting and we know a pool of people and we're developing pools of people who are excellent, who are gifted, who we want to be on our team? Are they recruiting other people? And I think that that's something that many businesses, many organizations miss out on because they're not focused on always recruiting. The second thing that I think you've got to do, or the third thing that you've got to do, is you have to have a means of group communication. You've got to have a means of group communication. What do I mean by that? If you've got a vision and something you've got to remind people of, you have to have a way and a system in place of how you will communicate with your team. You know, Will Gadera, who is a restaurateur and entrepreneur, he actually started the restaurant 11 Madison Park in New York City, which is one of the most renowned restaurants in the world. He would do what he called pre-mill, pre-meal every single time before the restaurant would open. His team of servers, hosts, everyone on their team would gather together to eat together. And it's at that time where he would communicate with his team that daily they had a means of communication. Now, you might not communicate with your team in that capacity daily, but like Will Gadara, what he did was this is where he cast the vision. He created culture. He reminded everyone of what they were doing. You might not be able to do that every single day, but do you have a means of communication in place where vision can leak from you to the people that you are leading. In my setting, we do something as simple as a GroupMe. Now, GroupMe is a messaging app that people can join, and this is where people share wins. They share things that are going on, but every person on our team is in this GroupMe so that we can have a way of communicating details, so that we can have a way of communicating wins and keeping everyone in the know of what's going on. I think many leaders fail at this because they don't have have a system in place for how they're going to communicate to their team. And with a better, in com- better communication is going to lead to a stronger team. And I love this quote, and I think it's from Craig Rochelle. He says this, is that where there's a lack of communication, negativity is always going to fill the void. When there's a lack of communication, negativity is going to fill the void. You don't want negativity. You want positivity. You want people to be on the same page. And so you need a system in place for developing communication, no matter what system you're in. And I think the other thing that you need is you need clear commitment. One of the things we say all the time at the organization I'm a part of is big vision requires big commitment. Big vision requires clear commitment. And I actually, we actually have people who are on our team go through and sign a contract of what they are committing to. Why do we do that? It, it can seem like overkill maybe or it's a bit too much, but we want there to be a standard in place. If there's no standard given, no standard will be met. We want there to be a standard in place. If there's no standard given, no standards will be met. But what else does this do? Inevitably, as a leader, you're going to have people who in seasons fall short of what you're needing from them, who are falling short of the standards it's set. And if you have a clear commitment that's listed out, that's written out, then you can go back to that, and it helps you to have a conversation to say, hey, this is what you committed to, 
and checking in on them saying, what's going on that's not allowing you to commit to that? We say all the time in our organization that we want to check on people before we're checking on the problem. We want to check on people before we're checking on the problem because usually that there's something going on in their personal lives before uh, there's usually something going on in their personal lives which is leading to that problem. And we want to care for those people well. But having this clear commitment allows us to open the door for the conversation because they're the ones who signed off that they wanted to be a part of it. I have to have a clear commitment. And the fifth thing that you got to have is you got to have meaningful work for people to do. Sometimes as a leader, I feel bad for what I'm asking when I ask people to do more. But I remember when I was younger, how much it meant to me when people would come to me with more responsibility, when people would come to me and have an opportunity for growth, that they would challenge me to do something new. And so what we have to do as team builders and leaders is we have to have meaningful work for people to do. What happens when people do meaningful work and when they're growing? The more work they're doing, the more bought in they are the more they feel a part of what's going on. And so if your team's going to be stronger, you have to give people meaningful work to do. And as you're giving away work, what does it do for you? It frees you up to do the next thing you need to do to push the ball forward. As you give away work, what does it do? It gives you the opportunity, as you have less on your plate, then you can push forward to the things that you need to do to move the ball forward. So giving away meaningful work is such an important piece of being on the team because nobody wants to be on the team and be on the bench, right? Sometimes in sports you can't help that. But no one wants to be on the team and just be on the bench with nothing to do. You want to be a part and provide meaningful work to what's going on. Kind of a bonus thing that I would say if I was entering into building a team in any situation or leading in any new setting is you got to develop a language as well. As you develop a language and a culture, that the or, well, really, language leads to developing culture. You've got to put a handle, phrases on things that you care about in order for that vision to leak to the rest of your team. One example that we say on the team I'm a part of is we don't do good enough. We don't do good enough. So we never look at something and we say, ah, that's just like good enough. Like it'll be okay for today. We want to do everything with excellence. Another thing that we say is we want to have uh, uh, an opportunity is we want to make people feel welcome and wanted. We always want to have the opportunity to make people feel welcome and wanted. As we want to set a culture of hospitality, as we develop this language of, hey, are we making people feel welcome and wanted? It's a handle on something we value as an organization and as a culture. So that's kind of a I guess a bonus sixth thing that I would do is start to put a handle on language that can give you an ability to develop culture. And uh, so those things, you know, setting the vision, casting the vision, the ABR principle, always be recruiting, developing a means of group communication, having a clear commitment and giving away meaningful work, that's going to help you to develop a team. And the more effective your team is, it's multiplier, right? The more effective you're going to be and the more you're able to accomplish. And kind of lastly, two kind of final thoughts here on team building. There's perks to being a team builder because when you are successful as a team, it brings even more joy because you're not just experiencing that joy on your own. You're getting to share in that joy with other people. And so that's one of the greatest things is that your joy is doubled. Your joy is tripled. Your joy is multiplied as you all win, everybody as you win, everybody wins and you get to share with that. And then I think one of the most important things is that leading is tough. 
Let's just be real. If you're leading in any situation or any setting out there, leading can be very difficult at times. And you don't want to be in the trenches alone. But if you have a team, you have people next to you that can support you. Maybe you're going through something hard personally. Maybe your organization is facing hard times, tough decisions. You don't want to be in the trenches alone. And when you've taken the time to develop a team and to pour into the team and to invest in your team, you don't have to go at leadership alone. Leadership is a lonely place if you're going to do it by yourself. But with a team, you can bear burdens together. And so that's the power of team. That's the power of being a part of a team that your efforts are multiplied and you are strengthened because of it. So thanks for joining us on this episode of the Better Leader Podcast. We'll catch y'all next time.